when I was growing up in America, the greatest post in America at the time was considered to be Rav Moshe Feinstein. In many of the Sfarim that collected Chuvos and Pesachim about various topics, like you'll find in Shemir Shabbos Kilchas or many other books like that, that deal with particular topics, you'll see the greatest postcom of our generation quoted often. One of them that I noticed as a child, besides the Igros Moshe, which was more famous in America, was the Sefer Chelkas Yaakov by Rav Breish of Zurich. I had known many of the Psakim from these farm, as I said, that were quoted in this farm, but I knew very little actually about Rav Breish himself. Later on, I found out that Rav Breish was considered one of the greatest postkim in Europe. And it is interesting to know, of course, what transpired, how he got to, to Zurich. In 1895, Rav Breish was born in Galicia. He was educated as probably most of the young fellows, young men of those communities in his local shul. He went to the Kloys of his town, small place apparently called Skol or something like that. And he developed in that close, Kloys. He was born to a Hasidic family. His father was a Tamit Chacham. But he was a child prodigy, as were almost all the great gedolim that I have been discussing. At the age of 11, he, it was said that he knew two sodorim of Shas very well. At 17, at the age of 17, he had finished Shas, he had finished Choshen Mishpah twice. He re- received smicha from the gedolim of Galicia, specifically Rabbi Arik and others were masmichim. His Rav wrote a letter about him, the, this young Rabbi Yaakov Breish, at a, the tender age of 13, used to sit before his Rebbe. And the shyless that were brought to his Rebbe, very often he would suggest his own opinion before it, the issue was dealt with. And his Rebbe wrote that even at that young age, you could see the koach of psak that he had, the chush for piske halacha. And he became known as a great posek and specialized in the area of Psak. He was a Galit, he was a Galicianer who was a Belzer Chassid. And he became the Rav of a Mar- and the Maratzedek of various communities in, Gal- in Galicia. He himself describes some of the events that occurred to him while he was a Rav in a community when the Nazis came into power. As he writes in Hakdama to his Sfarim, Chalkas Yaakov, in the year Tafresh Tzadi Gimel, that's 1943, he was a Rav in Disburg, on the River Rhine, when the Germans came into power. And he has the exact dates. On Motzei Shabbos Kodesh, the 21st of Adar, in Tafresh Tzadi Gimel, the SS soldiers came, armed, and hit him, beat him until they had really thought he was on the verge of death. Only a few days later, they came again, 10 o'clock in the morning, a greater group of soldiers, they took him out, they brought him to the streets with hundreds 
and thousands of people following them. No one protested. They saw all the humiliations that he suffered and the beatings that he suffered until he came to a major intersection by the theater of the town. Thousands of people surrounded him and they began to pull out his hair, to pull out his beard. They threw him on the ground. He thought that he was going to be taken to be executed on the spot. Without, as he calls it, the chesed, the chemla of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they would have taken him to Dachau. But among the group of people, there was one high officer who begged them to save his life. And that's way, that way, in a, in a, in a sort of a miracle, he was saved from those evil people. And he realized that immediately he has to leave Germany. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu arranged, arranged things that in 1934, he found a community which welcomed him in Zurich. And he was appointed to the, be the Rav of the Kila of Zurich. He remained the Rav of this community until he passed away. In 1977, he had a family that was rebuilt in Zurich. His 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 parents and their and his siblings were killed in Germany in their home in 1943. But he, Rav Yaakov Reich, came to Zurich, built a family. His son took over for him as the Rav of Zurich. He became a mechutten of the Minchas Yitzchak, a famous posseg, the Dayan Weiss, was his mechutten. And he sat and built the community of Zurich. And in some of the writings about Rav Reich, uh, there's a book by um, Mayor Wunder about the Gedolim of Galicia. And he has an article about Rav, Rav uh, Breish, and he explains how he built the community. After Rav Breish was Niftar, so in the Torah journals of the time, they wrote articles about him explaining how he actually built Yiddishkeit in Zurich. He built a, a Haredi community in Zurich with the ne- necessary uh, requirements for a Haredi community. He built the Mikveh, he built the Yeshiva, and he himself, in the early years, learned with students and at that time, not Kolel students, little children, and he began to instill in the community a love for Torah and a love for his style, the Haredi style of Yahadut of Yiddishkeit. While he was in Zurich, and even before, he was approached by people all over the world to answer Sheilot Hilchatiyot, and you see in the number of volumes of Chelkas Yaakov, there are at least five volumes that I'm aware of, he attacked major, major issues of the time. In the scope of the Chuvos, it resembles the amount of issues that were discussed in Igros Moshe of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. And interestingly enough, in many cases, they raised the same issues, issues that occurred in Europe at the same time as occurring in America, or sometimes the questions actually were addressed from America to Rav Reich, but you, it's interesting to see the, the similar issues, and very often different psakim. In fact, Rav Reich 
quotes Rav Moshe occasionally and sometimes disagree with dis- disagrees with him. The tshuvas were reprinted a number of times with a number of haskamos, including the greatest gedolim of the time. He has he has letters of haskama from the from Rabbi Zalman Meltzer from the Satmir Rav. Interestingly enough, Rav Herzog and others who were the Zionist leaders also wrote letters of Haskama to the Chelkas Yaakov to Rav Breish. Let's discuss some of the tshuvas that we find in the first volume of the Chelkas Yaakov. One of the questions that was asked to him was about radios. We'll discuss a few questions that occurred in connection with the radios and his understanding of the issues. He was asked whether you're allowed to listen to the voice of a woman, Kol Isha, on the radio. There are people who found a reason to be matir because the Gemara says that Kol Isha is Asr because of the Yerhurim, and the Gemara at one point says, Biyodov Makiraka, you're discussing only people who are nowhere and are aware of her. And he really discussed if the Yetzirah, which may be the only issue of Kalisha, would apply when you can't see the person who's singing. In no hesitation, Rav Reish said it clearly is Asr because Kalisha is an erva, and even if you don't know who it is, you're not allowed to listen to the sound on a radio, and there is no heter whatsoever. In this respect, you see what you would expect from a person like Rav Braish, a chassid, a galitzianer, to paskin luchumra. But I would like to contrast that to another question that he was asked, and written to a person in Antwerp. There was a an issue a person who suffered from i would assume some sort of depression or melancholy and music somehow helped him relax and feel much better the question was asked to him could you put on a radio on friday in order to listen to the music on shabbos now first of all we should explain that you can't say that there's an Issa Daraisa of putting, of listening, of putting on a radio on Friday. Chil Shabbos can only be done on Shabbos. You can't pass, you cannot pass can, that a person can be Michal Shabbos on Friday. But nevertheless, there are many reasons to forbid listening to the radio or having a radio on in your house on Shabbos. We'll begin with the Gemara that Rav Reich quotes right away, right away, that you're not allowed to put Chitim into a mill which makes sounds which is mashmiakol, and Rashi explains there in the Gemara and Shabbos Yudches that it's a mundane practice, and there's a somehow a lack of dignity for Shabbos itself. Now the Gemara discusses if this is only according to Beishamai, because Beishamai says not only can a person not work on Shabbos, but his kelim, the things that he owns also have to be stopped from working on Shabbos, what we call Shvisas Kalim. But according to Beis Hillel, this would be, might be mutter. 
he discussed the problem of Hashmas Kol because the Ramah does quote an opinion that it's not proper to have sounds in your house on Shabbos. And the Chatchila, the Ramah says you should not do this. However, B'makam have said, in a case of where there is a loss incurred, so he said it would be mutter. Now, Rav Breish, here using Koach Deheteira, says that since he's a Chola She'en Bosakana, it certainly would be mutter the same way B'makam Hafsid would be mutter. So this would be mutter for a Chola She'en Bosakana. Now, until here, I think this is a fine Chumra, a fine Kula, that somehow Rav Reish felt is proper to use. But here, to my surprise, I found that Rav Reish went even further. Rav Reish said, technically speaking, when he said, when I say technically speaking, he uses the halachic phrase, lahalacha halacha This is really the halacha, but he does not recommend the practice. He said, anybody, even if you're not a chole, you can put on the radio on Friday to listen to the news or to listen to music. He says right away, don't think this is the proper way to keep Shabbos. Ain't ze mishnat chasidim. This is not, he doesn't mean chasidim like belze chasidim. He means this is not the practice that one should really accept for Shabbos. But there's no avera involved. And since for this person, it is oneg to listen to the news, to listen to music, he would say that it would be mutter for anyone. And he quotes the Ramah in Simon Shin Zayin and the Shulchan Aruch, that the Ramah says, a person to whom it would be uh, pleasurable on Shabbos could actually listen, could, could actually uh, read on Shabbos um, history, interesting things for him. So he says the same thing would apply to listening to the radio. And it technically would be mutter if to put it on Friday. And then he discusses would we have to worry about the fact that a person might think that you turned it on in Shabbos. He said, no, people will know that you're not allowed to turn on a radio on Shabbos. And therefore, people will assume it was put on, on Friday and you don't have to worry about Marasayan or anything like that. It would be, it would be mutter. He goes on to raise another issue. Maybe a person will change the station. Let's say he doesn't like what's on that station. He'll change to another station. So in order, in order to discuss this question, one has to raise two issues. What's actually wrong with changing the stations, with adjusting the stations? Would that be involved in Isra at all? Rav Braish's first Inclination is that this would certainly be us, or it might even be us in Midaraisa. Nevertheless, he goes through a discussion which we've mentioned in the past. Can we make new gezeros in our generation? A gezeros that does not apply, that was not made by Chazal, cannot be made in today's generation at all. We have no authority to make new gezeros. And therefore, it would be mutter. Of course, in light of the original tshuva, that I quoted today, when we discuss listening to music, we're referring to music of symphonies or of male singers, but not a, a singing of 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 women on the on the radio. So the bottom line is that he was matir setting a radio for the chole she'en basakana, 
And he said, theoretically, it would be mutter for anyone to listen to the radio that was said before Shabbos. He also said in that shuva that he discussed the idea of Shabbos clocks in a different shuva, and he said that Shabbos clocks are permitted. Now, Rav Moshe Feinstein, in an unusual psak, according to my understanding, said that really we should forbid Shabbos clocks in our generation for the for various reasons. Maybe we'll discuss that at another time. But here, Rav Bryce said, I was not here. Shabbos clocks. And he said the fact that people will consider it not proper for Shabbos is a true consideration. And he writes, I do not. I'm not the type of person that looks for kulos. Because I don't think people should listen to the radio. I'm worried about the issue of Kalisha. But he said, but the fact is, most people do listen to the radio. And many people put on the radio on Friday to listen on Shabbos. We have to remember in Zurich in those days, if we would come and protest and say it would be usser, so they wouldn't understand the difference, why is electricity permitted, why is the radio not permitted, they would be upset with the Chachamim, they would say the Rabbanim only look for Chumras, and, and therefore it would be all kinds of issues that would be raised. Therefore I wrote, says Rabbi I wrote reasons to be, to be matir, a person who's mekel, you do not have to complain against him. He says it's not what he calls Mishnas Chasidim, because Shabbos is given for Torah Tefillah. To me, it would be not surprising that uh, a position of uh, certain Haredim uh, would rise against this tshuva. And of course, you would see immediately in the very next tshuva of Chalkas Yaakov, a young fellow wrote to Rabbi Reish discussing, and it seems trying to reject Rabbi Reish's psak. One of the points that I'd like to make here is that Rabbi Reish addresses his answer to this fellow with great respect. And he writes to a fellow, he calls him a Bachur Kalacha, apparently a young fellow, who said he was a Talmud of Chachmei Lublin. So if he's young and he was a Talmud of Chachmei Lublin, I can only imagine exactly what year this was written in, but it was probably written in the... Uh, in the approximately around 1940, the first shuva I know was written in 1939. This shuva doesn't have a date, but it was written probably shortly after. This fellow had come to live in Yerushalayim, and he wrote to Rav Reish with a number of reasons why he felt it was not permitted to set the radio on Friday for for even for the chole she'en Sakana. So first of all, he said we have to discuss the issue of listening to music at all in our generation. There is a Gemara in Gitten which says that in today's generation music in general should be forbidden because of Avelus on the Churban Beis HaMikdash. Rav Moshe in his Igwas Moshe in Chelek Aleph has a very similar Sheila that was written to a friend of mine, Harav Melech Press. And Rav as Rav Moshe, discusses the various issues of listening to music in our generation. And he quotes the opinion of Rashi, of Tosfus and Gitten, that Chachamim only forbade listening to music in a base Mishta Shalyayim, some sort of bars or kings 
who used to uh, have, uh, I assume, special types of parties, and he quotes opinions that only at drinking parties, but at festive di- dinners it would be permitted, and he quotes the Mishnabura, and but in, in short, he says the Easter today of music is not accepted. We see many people listen to music, and you don't have to worry about that. But the other problem, one of the other problems he was, th- that he wrote about, is switching channels. I said Rav, Rav, Rav Reich had already raised that issue and rejected it. One more issue that he would, that this young fellow raised was the fact that the symphony itself might be permitted if you think music is awesome, but it could be the next program will have a woman singing, and Rav Reich himself said that that was awesome to listen. Rav, Moshe, Rav Reich's answer is, so don't listen. When you want to listen to the symphony, fine. When the woman sings, leave the room. To make Xera that the you can't listen to the symphony because later on it might be a program with the woman singing, Rav Reich, has, as I said, rejected that argument. But then the fellow raised another issue. He said, who said this fellow was sick at all? He has a marash chora. He has some sort of depression, melancholy. The young fellow wrote that this is not considered a chola at all. So why should we be matir anything for him? Well, as we said before, Reb Reish himself really said that theoretically this would be mutter for anyone. So we don't really have to make this person into a real chola. But nevertheless, Rav Rav Breish argues with him as well. Who told you that a person who suffers from melancholy, from depression, is not a chole, at least she'en basakana? And he (laughs) proves it by a pasuk. Harofe l'shvure leif, u'mechabesh la'atzvotam. A person, Kaddish Baruch Hu, it says is is the healer, the doctor, for shvure leif, people who seem to be, have broken hearts, people who need some sort of solace. And he somehow will heal or bandage or somehow help their their nerves. So you see that a person who suffers from a nervous condition is considered a cholo who needs a rofe. So with Koch Deatera, Rav Reish allowed the cholo She'en Basakana to listen to music. He permitted music Bismanazeh. And he said theoretically, anyone who sets the radio on Friday could listen to it on Shabbos, of course, he certainly did not recommend the practice and spoke rather sharply that this is not a Mishnah's Chassidim, this is not what people should do. A, another issue would, was asked to, to Rav Breish that came up in almost every tshuva that I've seen, every sefer of tshuvas written in the 20th century, and that's how would we relate to people who are Mechalel Shabbos. This particular question was asked about a person who is a Mechalel Shabbat B'Faresia, a person who par- in, in public, publicly desecrated Shabbos. Therefore, we think he has the din of a mumar. And the question was asked, can you save his life on Shabbos? Now, let's remember, for example, one idea of the Gemara in Yoma. How can you, why would you be allowed to save a person's life on Shabbos? Was because of a svara. Mutav sheyichal Shabbos achas v'yishma Shabbos asarbe. It's much better to desecrate one Shabbos in order to keep many Shabbatot in the future. Now, there are other sources of a chaybam, etc. 
that prove where a support that you're allowed to save a person's life on Shabbos. But would this apply to Michal Shabbos Bafarhasya? Rav Reish begins the tshuva by quoting a primigadim who says clearly, Pshitali, it's very obvious, says the primigadim, that a mumar lechal Shabbos Bafarhasya, you would not be allowed to be Michal Shabbos. Rav Reish said, I, I never understood this. He says, the Gemara in Kedushin has, the, has a, a strange scenario. A person gives a ring to a girl, and he says to her, I'm going to be Mekadosh you with the stipulation that I'm a tzaddik. The Gemara says, the girl is Mekadoshes. Now, we have no idea what the personal and religious status of the person who said it is. In fact, it seems from the Gemara that it could be a person that we know for sure is not a tzaddik. Let's say, for the sake of discussion, he ate a cheeseburger ten minutes before. And then he proposed to the young lady, and she said, you're not from, I don't want to marry you. So he gave her a ring and said, he would, he wanted to get married. So, the Gemara says, Mekudoshes. Why? Chayshin and Shema Hira Tshuva Belibo. Maybe at the moment where he wanted to get married and he made this stipulation, maybe at that point he thought of doing tshuva. The Rambam quotes the Gemara and says, in such a case, it's Suffolk Mekudoshes. I'm not sure that he did tshuva, but you can't count on the fact that he did not do tshuva. Maybe he did. So therefore, Suffolk Mekudoshes. So, the... Great Polsek, the Chalkas Yaakov, Rabbi said, this person on Shabbos is dying. How can you be sure that he didn't do tshuva? How could anybody ever say that you can't save his life on Shabbos? Maybe he did tshuva. In fact, the moment that a person is that sick, he's a cholesh yeshbo sakana, Rabbi thinks that's might be an indication that at that last moment of a person's life, Maybe everybody will do tshuva. At least you can't call it a suffix. You can't say it's definitely not true. Maybe it, it's a suffix, and maybe even it's a sfake sfaker. But Rav Reis argues that you can be Michal Shabbos on a sfake sfaker. He found sources to support his claim. The Maram Shik also said that he did not understand the, the Primagadim. And the Maram Shik said, if there's a slight possibility, here at B'tshuva, you're allowed to be Michalel Shabbos to save his life. And then, Rav Breish adds the point that I said is found in many Sfarim. People today who are Michalei Shabbos, do we really consider them Michalei Shabbos? People who would be ashamed of doing malacha in front of a great Tamit Chacham, would that be considered a Michal Shabbos? And then, of course, let's remember, Rav Breish points out, the Michal Shabbos of Western Europe, who are not familiar, do not understand exactly what Yiddishkeit requires of them. And he does not use the phrase, the Tinok Shenishba, but he just says, Einu Yodim Kachomer Iser. 
they don't understand how severe the Isurim of the Torah are. And therefore, he says, Therefore, there's a reason to be makeled somewhat, to allow them to be counted as a minion. You can call them up to the Torah. So therefore, he felt, he felt that certainly a person today who's known as a Michal Shabbos, of course, he's referring to his time in Zurich, which we should point that out, but he's not considered to be a Michal Shabbos for the purpose of not counting him for a minion or not giving him an aliyah. And in our case, in this particular tshuva, you can be Michal Shabbos to save his life. One last question that I'll just mention briefly, was a question that was asked to him if you're allowed to give a Sefer Torah to a non-Jew. Now, the reason that this tshuva to me was interesting to, is to read the circumstances. In the time of the Holocaust, there was one person, a certain priest, who worked very hard to save Jews as a token of the appreciation of the feeling that they had for this priest, they had a Sefer Torah which was Pasal. And they felt that the priest would be very, very happy. It would mean a great deal to him to receive such a precious gift. And they thought it would encourage him to do much greater work to save Jews at that time. I would assume that there are many reasons to be makil in this question. The problem, of course, is that in the Shulchan Aruch, it says that you should not give a mezuzah to a non-Jew. And you have to discuss the issues involved of giving a mezuzah to a non-Jew. What is wrong with it? What are we afraid of? In case of giving a Sefer Torah to a non-Jew, one of the issues we might be afraid of is how they will treat the Sefer Torah. Will they respect it? Will they keep it in a place of honor and dignity? Of course, in this particular question, the assumption was the priest would treat it with great respect. He would not try to use it for any ulterior motive. The end result of saving Jews would be greatly increased, or at least hopefully greatly increased by this gift. And of course, the um, the Sack of Rabraish would be that it was bimutter in this particular case because we know it will be treated with respect and dignity. He did, however, find a tshuva of the Mari Asad that quoted a pasuk in Malachim to prove that you cannot give a Sefer Torah to a non Jew. Nevertheless, he felt that under these particular conditions, there it was obvious that you could give it as a present to the non Jew. Now, this was written in Zurich. In 1944, after the Rav Breish had already been saved from Nazi Germany, the question was addressed to him, and he passed in Lukula.